Grayston Bakery. Heard of it? It's a bakery. It makes brownies and blondies, and in so doing, it supplies some of my favorite food purveyors, Whole Foods, Kava, Ben & Jerry's, Grayston Bakery. Heard of it? Well, if you hadn't before this week, I believe you will never forget it after this week's podcast, because how the brownies are made, who makes them, and why that is the case are really beautiful examples of capitalism at its best. Capitalism at its best, what many of us call conscious capitalism. Well, I want to introduce you this week to one of my fellow board members at Conscious Capitalism, who also happens to be the CEO of Grayston Bakery. Oh, and a friend of mine. And now, yours too. Only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. You know, I feel as if we spend, well, I've said this many a time over the years, we spend about a third of this podcast on investing, a third on business, and a third on life. And when I think about the first couple of weeks looking back this year, well, there was Essays from Yesterday, Volume 3. I feel like that was that was about life. There was definitely some investing in there, but anytime I do Essays from Yesterday, we're talking about the world and how it's progressed over 10 or 15 years and what we were thinking back in the day. Last week, certainly an investing one, as we talked about NFTs but with Aaron Bush, but it's almost hard to separate NFTs from business and really life these days as well, it seems. Well, I can tell you this week's podcast is squarely focused on business. I'm speaking to an entrepreneur. I'm speaking to a businessman about a really compelling business. And as we do so this week going forward, I'm reminded how many of you are in business, entrepreneurs yourselves, or just professionals, working professionals. And what we're going to share this week really can be relevant to almost any workplace of uh, a significant scale. So I'm really excited to have my friend Joe Kenner join me. Before I welcome Joe on, I just want to mention, of course, next week is the January mailbag. So rbi at fool.com is our address. If you find yourself inspired by any of the things I said a couple of weeks ago, essays from 2005, or or maybe you were challenged or titillated by something that Aaron Bush said last week on the subject of NFTs, and or what you're about to hear this week, I'm really interested in hearing back from you any takeaways from these January 2022 podcasts. So again, Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag next week. If you want to be featured, tweet us at RBI Podcast or even better, drop us an email, rbi at fool.com. And now we welcome him from Yonkers, New York, or somewhere nearby. Joe, I understand the power went out. It's kind of what's happening this time of year, so you're at home. Welcome to Rule Breaker Investing. So good to be with you, David. We improvise. We're leaders. We know how to do things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to start with uh, a leader who's not going to be part of this conversation today because he's he's the founder of Grayston Bakery, Bernie Glassman, and he clearly was a leader, somebody who had real foresight. He was a thought leader in addition to being an entrepreneurial leader. And I, I thought we should start there with kind of the founding story of Grayston Bakery. So Joe Kenner, can you give us a little bit of chapter and verse there? Absolutely. And again, pleasure to be with you, David. And I, I always enjoy telling the story of Grayston. And I have to tell you, thank you for doing the interview today. We're actually recording on Bernie's birthday. So wow. thank you so much for the opportunity to really celebrate Bernie and celebrate Grayston and what we're all about. And I could not think of a more apt uh, example of conscious capitalism than Grayston, Grayston Bakery, Grayston Foundation, and we'll talk about that. The history is, is quite interesting, David, and you'll appreciate this as a, an investor. Uh, we weren't started based on a product, per se. And I like to say we have two products, but you know we do brownie inclusions, we do packaged brownies, but that is not the reason why we were started. And in 1982, Bernie founded Grayston, what became known as Grayston, really on a question, an idea. And that question and idea was, how do we give people hope? How do we create thriving communities? Uh, there are, at this time, as you know, in the 1980s, the economy was not in the best shape, um, particularly where we're now located in 
Yonkers, Southwest Yonkers, very economically challenged area, high unemployment, homelessness, AIDS was rampant. And Bernie saw so many people on the streets um, looking for work, couldn't find opportunities. And he saw that as one of the greatest injustices uh, in his community, where you have people that want to work, that have something to offer, and they couldn't get the opportunity. And that for him was the question that needed to be solved. How do we give these folks hope? How do we get them off the sidelines and into the economic mainstream? And he and this Zen Buddhist community that he was a part of at the time, they actually lived in the Grayston Mansion in the Riverdale section of the Bronx, which is how we got our name. Hmm. They, they supported themselves baking cakes. So Bernie would literally pull people off the streets and say, hey, David, you're looking for something to do. You want to learn a skill. You want to learn a trade. Huh. Why don't you come work with us baking cakes and we'll teach you how it's done, teach you how to show up for work, take instruction, and you'll learn a trade. And hopefully this will improve your trajectory. That was the genesis of open hiring that we now call open hiring, where it's no questions asked policy, no background checks, and so forth. But that's where it all started, David. The, mm. How do we bring people into the economic mainstream? How do we give them hope? And Bernie's firm belief was you do that through a job, one person at a time. And so, Joe, I think the year was 1982. And if that's true, that means it's the 40th anniversary yes. of the organization that you, you lead today. Um, I, I'm just curious, before 1982, who, who was Bernie Glassman that he would start asking that question? How do we <laughs> give people hope? And then, you know, I think a lot of people, when they, when they would try to answer that question, they might use some of the existing institutions in our society, maybe a church or a synagogue, or, or maybe they would go out and be an inspirational speaker. But the idea of actually giving people hope through open hiring, which we're going to talk a lot more about very shortly, that just seems very unusual and very innovative. Yeah, well, it, it goes to Bernie's faith. And as I said, he was a part of a Zen Buddhist community at the time. But you really have to really dial it back. And you think about someone like Bernie, and how did he even stumble onto this? I mean, Bernie was this Jewish guy from Brooklyn, trained aeronautical engineer, <laughs> becomes this Zen Buddhist monk, becomes a social entrepreneur. So that's where it really starts. And if you read, and I recommend this to your, your, to your listeners, because I'm sure they're, they're avid readers, read his book, Instructions to the Cook. And there you will kind of get a sense. And I give this to all of our new employees when they start, by the way, because this helps them understand the DNA of Grayston and why we got started. And if you think about society and our lives as a meal, Bernie strongly believed that everybody is an ingredient that makes the perfect meal. You have something to offer society. I have something to offer society. The next person has something to offer. And when we use all of those ingredients, all those gifts, everybody benefits. That really forms the heart and soul, the DNA of Grayston. It's really about just bringing everybody in. Um, one of our core values is collaboration and non-judgment's -judge, non another one. Yeah. That's really what we're all about. Um, how do we bring folks in? How do I use what you have to offer to society? And as I, I don't have to tell you this, David, but there are a lot of folks that really don't know what their gifts are. They haven't been afforded the social capital that you and I probably had where folks could give us guidance and direction along the way. And that's what Bernie wanted to do. Mm. Start here, work with us at the bakery for a little bit, figure out what you want to do. And, you know, we'll be a reference for you if this is not where you want to go, but we're going to give you an opportunity to get started. Well, let's now get into open hiring then. And thank you for the note around Bernie's book, Instructions to the Cook. Uh, so I think what jumped off the page to me, it was, I guess I should say off the screen, because I think you were presenting at the Conscious Capitalism Conference and there was probably a big screen, an image, PowerPoint, something like that behind you. But what jumped off the screen to many of us when we first hear about Grayston Bakery, if we've not already encountered the delicious brownies or blondies, which is often how a lot of us might first discover Grayston Bakery, but we'll hear about open hiring. And open hiring, I noticed, has a TM on your website. So it sounds <laughs> like this is a trademarked yes. approach as well. And we could talk about that. But uh, let me just state briefly my understanding of open hiring. This is the layman's reaction. And then, of course, I want to understand exactly what is it and how does it work? Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening right now, a lot of people who may not be running their own business, but might be part of another business where they could, they could wonder aloud within their workplace. What if we tried that here? And I bet, I just bet some others are going to be 
copycatting Joe Kenner, Grayston, and Bernie Glassman as a result of this week's podcast. We'll see. I think it's a remarkable story, but open hiring. So my understanding is that if you want to be hired by Grayston Bakery or any business that does open hiring, it pretty much comes down to you fill out your name and your address. Maybe you give your phone number. Uh, That's about it. There's a waiting list, so it might take a month or so, but all of a sudden, I'll get a call to that phone number I gave you, and it'll say, hey, David, come work 9 a.m. Monday morning. We'll see you then. And that's open hiring. No questions asked, no background checks, no awareness of who I am, what my skills or talents are, what my past holds. Nothing at all. No questions asked, 9 a.m. Monday morning. How accurate is my layman's stab at describing open hiring i'm gonna give you an a minus on that you did a very good job you know i'll take an a minus anytime <laughs> anytime at any level of school others others are frustrated by the minus i never was thank you but but i would add you and you're right it, it really is and and you know my my background too david i mean i came from corporate america wall street and government and i tell people all the time if you had told me about open hiring and how you have some manufacturing entity doing this you know 10, 15 years ago, I probably would have laughed at you because it it is very simple as you outlined. You put your name on a list and you're right, it's your name, address, phone number, email so that we can reach you. We've now moved into the tech age where we have QR codes on postcards and you can do it on our website, grayston.org. Uh, so that's the way you can get added to our list. And we have about I don't know, 150 or so people on the list as we speak. Uh, but that is truly it. Um, that's the simplicity of it. You know, the radically different nature of it, as we kind of alluded to already, is we don't do background checks. We don't even do an interview. Uh, We just call you up. And when you get that call, you're essentially already hired. You just have to show up for orientation. And that day is your first day on the job. That's the first day you're actually earning a salary when you show up. And that begins what we call your bakery apprenticeship, which is about a six to nine month program. And uh, and let's talk about that because again, I, I shortly I want to ask some about the advantages of this and certainly the disadvantages too. I can imagine there's a good list of both, but clearly this has been working because I think Bernie started this something like 40 years ago or so, and here you are thriving four decades later. So it seems to me proof positive that this does work, but. Sounds like I'm when I my first day of work, I'm actually being trained as much as anything. I'm not I'm not immediately productive, which would make sense because it's a manufacturing business. How could I coming off the street, perhaps, how could I possibly know the right thing to do? Yeah. And and that's the, the beauty of the program. It's about a two day orientation program that we'll walk you through. You'll hear from our supply chain folks, our R and D and quality folks, the operations team. Uh Grayston Bakery is owned by Grayston Foundation, which operates a lot of workforce development training courses and job development services we provide to the community and to our bakers. Mm-hmm. So you'll learn about all of these different resources that are available to you. And one of the enhancements we've made to the program over the years is adding a social worker that we now call a resource and support specialist to our staff. And that person's job is to provide the non-traditional HR benefits and services. So what do I do if I'm getting evicted? Um, how do I get child care subsidies or child care in general? Um, I need to look for affordable housing. Um, all of these other non, you know, these non-HR uh, benefits that you probably wouldn't get in a normal <laughs> work environment, we provide that. And it's, to me, as I always like to tell people, this is the next evolution of human resources as we kind of look at employment and hiring, but employment generally more holistically. So what are all the things that my employees need to be safe? Obviously, we've learned that this COVID environment, but really understanding what is my trajectory here? How can I move up? And in in some cases, we believe in this. How can they move out? Maybe they want to do something else after two years of working at the bakery and they realize they found what their gift is and, you know, they want to try something else. That's where our foundation can come in and just say, hey, we've got all these other great hard skills training courses that you might be interested in where you can get a nationally recognized certificate in something else. Mm. Let us help you. Joe, we have a lot of business people listening to this right now, a lot of people who invest I guess a natural question for me is, sounds like your business model supports this kind of additional support. Razor-thin margin companies 
uh, wouldn't necessarily be able to afford extra support uh, in the form of some social work, just helping advise people on the side. Um, can you remind me, what is for-profit here? What is not-for-profit? And I'm assuming the for-profit portion enables this kind of additional cost base. Yeah, it's actually, I would say it's a reallocation of resources, David. And, and as Grayston Bay agreed, it's actually the first benefit corporation in New York State. This is actually our 10-year anniversary of being a B Corp. So we've, a got, B Corp. Our 40, <laughs> so yep. we've got our 40th in existence, 10 years as a B Corp. Wow. And today's Bernie's birthday. So we've got a lot going on in 2022. <laughs> but I, I would say that um, the it's a reallocation of resources here. So all of the time and the effort that we would spend essentially keeping people out of the labor force, we're devoting it to how do we one, bring them in and keep them because it's about keeping the folks and developing them so yeah. that they could continue to contribute to our organization and whoever or whatever product or service that you're providing. But also how can we develop them and help them find, like I said, their gift in terms of what they can contribute to society. So it's really a reallocation of resources as opposed to a, an addition, or I even say, I don't like to say cost cutting. This is really just a reallocation of those resources. And Joe's the CEO. Who's your dream employee? Do you want somebody? I, I know transformation occurs. I know butterflies are born, and that's part of the story of Grayston, and I know that's got to be high up there in your list. Uh, and I know, I'm sure we're going to hear at least one great story yeah. of an employee, but would you, would you, are you hoping that that person is still with you six to eight years later? Or are you, are you kind of a, a halfway house bringing them in kind of in some cases, saving them as they save you, but then maybe they've moved on somewhere else three, four years down the line. Well, I have to say you use the, the term uh, transformation, which is another one of our core values. So you've really done your homework on us. So I appreciate that. But I, you, the ideal employee is really anybody who has resolved they want to be successful. Mm. That's that's really it at the end of Love the day. That. This is not, uh, let me say this, this is not a promise. This is not a welfare to work program where you are mandated to work with us. You know, this is not some kumbaya moment that we're having. It is still a business at the end of the day and we have to operate as such. But if you want to be successful, if you want to learn something new and give it a try, this is the job for you. Uh, and we will give you all the support in the world. It's got to be reciprocal. I, I can't help you if we don't know what's going on in your life. So let us know. That's why we've got the resource specialist. That's why we've got HR. That's why we've got the team here to support you. And everybody sees you as a colleague. You, you know, you're not in some special class with the open hires. You are a colleague and we want to support you. But truly for me, it's just somebody who wants to be successful. And I will not be upset. If after a year or so you realize that you want to go on and do something else, because I always start with the premise, and this is really, you know, we have all these different KPIs and metrics for success, but really my metric of success is what would life be like for these people if we weren't here? Mm. And if we didn't provide, and we can get into stories later, but if we didn't provide employment opportunity to the folks who work for us, and really anybody, David, I'm talking about myself included here, like, this, I, I don't really consider myself working. This is just, a, this is like a labor of love. This is a calling. I enjoy what I am doing here. And, mm. and any person, and I just left when I left the office today, any person who I talk to, they are just so grateful. And it's any level, whether it's finance, whether it's development, whether it's operations, they love coming to work knowing that whatever job they're doing is contributing to giving someone a positive career trajectory. Absolutely. Let me ask you, The Motley Fool is a private company, so I'm not out there sharing our numbers all over the place. Uh, I am happy to tell people we have 610 employees or so right now. So that gives some people a sense of scale. Can you give us some sense of scale for Grayston Bakery? Uh, it sounds like you have a, a waiting list of about 150 people who'd love to be working <laughs> there uh, you know, this coming Monday. But give us a sense of where you are right now as a business. Yeah, so if you look at the bakery, we're about 110 employees and 70 plus are open hires, and the rest are the administrative staff, so all the R&D, supply chain, um, HR, finance folks are, make up the balance, but about 70 are the open hires. Mm. And, and the natural next question, then, as we talk more about open hiring, who? Who are you hiring? Anybody who wants to work, and I can tell you, we get this, it gets written into our narrative, 
somewhat unfairly because we don't really we hire anyone. We don't target any particular group. But you know, formerly incarcerated, they're about maybe thirty percent of our workforce. But we look at barriers broadly, and you saw saw this when we had our conversation at the CEO summit. There are so many other barriers that people don't think of that do inhibit folks getting a job, single parenthood, childcare, language, age, mm. literacy skills, language. I mean, all of these different things are barriers to employment. So that's who we hire. Someone who has a, one or more barriers to employment, someone who is just looking for that opportunity to work and, as I said, have resolved they want to be successful. That's who we hire. And it's as simple as that, and I'm sure a lot of us somehow want to make it more complicated, and 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 because that's what we do as human beings. <laughs> but I, I I think I just love the simplicity of of Bernie's vision of you know how do we give people hope? And turns out, 40 years later, uh, a lot of people have gotten hope. And by the way, just a delicious product. I probably yes. first had it you know baked into my Ben and Jerry's whatever flavor <laughs> I was having at the time years ago. But these days, I see your brand right there. I mentioned Whole Foods. I mentioned Kava. I'm a big fan of Kava, Conscious Capitalism Company as well. Um, clearly, you are mixing with the very best. And that, that's something that I think is important to point out about Grayston and your brand. You are not um, a, a remedial dessert product for, I don't know, this is totally unfair, a, a penny stock fast food joint. I'm seeing you work with basically the treasured food brands, uh, at least the ones I treasure, of our time. And that says a lot about, about Grayston. To me, Let, let's talk some about the the advantages of open hiring. Now, a couple of them are, are probably obvious, but could you go give us some of the subtler ones? There have to be at least five to seven advantages to doing open hiring. Yeah, and it's it, it's really the business case that I talk about when I speak to different audiences about open hiring. First and foremost, and we can really get into the whole. I think I told you at the CEO summit, I'm a suppressed labor economist, but when you <laughs> when you look at the climate that we're in now, one of the tightest labor markets in our history, where we're going through what I call a great reassessment mm. with employee or employees just reconsidering their own future and where they want to work. Um, when you have the 11 million unfilled jobs, I mean, we have the largest unfilled jobs to unemployed uh, ratio in decades, really. It's, it's really a record number. The, the quit rate is at a record number. Name the industry, name the position. Folks are struggling to find good people, find labor in general. And we say you need to think differently. Employers need to have a great reassessment and need to be bolder. And really, as Suzanne Clark, the president and CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, said a few days ago, you know, we've got to look for achievable solutions that can remove some of these barriers to employment. And we are not going to be more competitive and grow this economy by moving folks around. We've got to grow the labor force. And you grow the labor force by looking at that untapped talent that's out there. Again, those people that want to work but just haven't given that opportunity. So it's a long way to say that the first and foremost uh, benefit of open hiring is you get good people. Mm. And they will be loyal to you because when everyone else said no, you said yes, and they are going to be loyal. And what do you get with that? Well, just a good person that shows up and does a good job. But all the, the money that you were investing in hiring, firing, rehiring, and all of that, all of that is saved now. Because you've got somebody working for you on a longer term basis and those resources that you would spend constantly trying to get people yeah, is now going into keeping the folks in. You mentioned reallocation of resources, a phrase you used earlier. I can imagine, actually, I can only imagine how relatively cheap your, your hiring costs are <laughs> compared to competitors. Uh, other um, national bakeries with 100 or more employees have you ever done the math there? Can you give us a sense of the cost savings of not it, having to have a huge HR hiring? It's it's brigade? ridiculous when you think about you know what is the cost to go to the list, and just say hey, David Gardner, give him a call. Uh, we've seen and we've looked at Sherm's numbers, which is about forty one hundred dollars per person. It costs to hire per person. When you look at the partners that we're working with that are practicing open hiring, you use the term copycats. We want more copycats. I'm probably the only person, <laughs> only business that doesn't want to be unique in that regard. I want people to do open hiring. So, But if you look at our partners, 
about 130 bucks to hire a person. Wow. Versus 4,100. Mm. So math doesn't lie, right? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for some sense of the scale. By the way, you mentioned SHRM, which is an acronym for the Society for Human Resource Management. So one of those kind of leading lights, looking at the workforce and issues around the workplace. And it happens to be based um, right across the street, practically from us in Alexandria, Virginia. But yeah, so that's, that's sure. And we do have a lot of international listeners who wouldn't understand an acronym like that. But so that th those are the guys who look across the nation and say, what's working, what's not, what are the costs of things? And that's a remarkable, so $130, did I hear, versus $4,100? That's what I heard? Correct, correct. Like I said, that doesn't lie. There are a couple obvious advantages. What are some more advantages to open hiring? Well, what you'll find in addition to, and we've seen this with our partners. So I mentioned the turnover rate. One of our partners, another you know, conscious capitalist employer is the body shop. Uh, they saw their productivity go up 13% while at the same time their distribution plants turnover rate went down by almost two thirds. So productivity is up, turnover is down. You're making a product or a service and getting it out the door. Uh, and those are the types of things. And the other piece of this is the people you're bringing in. And you can't just look at that one person. It, that person is attached to a family that lives in a community that's a part of a society. So there is a, there's a multiplier effect that happens here, uh, particularly when you're bringing the folks that are off the side, on the sidelines. Because... Mm. A lot of the people that we're talking about, which I'm still trying to figure out how do we have a 3.9% unemployment rate, 11 million people, <laughs> 11 million unfilled jobs, and then wow. you've got about 10 million or 19 million if you look at the formerly incarcerated on the sidelines. There is some lost opportunity here, lost economic development here that I believe open hiring and inclusive hiring opens the door to if we could just be bolder in terms of embracing that. Yeah, And it could and just start with one job, David. It doesn't have to be your whole manufacturing facility or whatever. Yeah. Do you know the starfish story, the kid tossing starfish back in the ocean? Do you know that one, Jeff? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners will, because it's one of those that gets retold. But for anybody who doesn't, yeah, it's just the story about an older gentleman who's walking down the beach, finds a kid tossing starfish back in because the surf went out and there was a raging storm the day before and all the starfish got driven in. So they're sitting there on the sand and the older gentleman, the wise old gentleman, says, "You know, what are you, what are you doing?" The kid's like, "I'm tossing starfish back to the ocean to, to save their lives." And he's like, "Yeah." The older gentleman looks up, sees about <laughs> 1,500 starfish all, all down the coast. Said, uh, "Yeah, so um, you're not going to make much of a difference there, are you?" And the kid <laughs> said, "Well, it mattered to that starfish." Exactly. As he tosses another one back in the ocean, and so we, we really, we. We really do value individual starfish, and I know at, at the level of an individual new employee at Grayston, you do that, but you're right. There is a multiplier effect, and I, I think part of that multiplier effect is, as some listeners are hearing this new story to them for the first time, they're starting to think, you know, I've got a choice when I go into Whole Foods, let's say, in terms of what brownie I might buy, and you know what? I think I'm going to buy the one from the guys that are helping save their community. Yeah. And also think about it this way, too. If you look at you know the largest working cohort that's coming up there is the millennial population. So it's not just the people buying your product, but the people that work for you. Um, it's actually a benefit to the company's other employees who are like, you know what, I'm really proud to work for this company that's doing these things. This is a place that I can stay for the long term because they're, yeah. they're not just about the profit. They're about the purpose as well. So we don't do things to the exclusion of profit. It's purpose as well. The purpose of what we're spending eight or more hours a day, many of us, the purpose toward which we're working on behalf of whatever our, or our organization is, that means so much to us. It isn't necessarily what you're taught in business school or what people emerge from undergraduate thinking, but as we age and we look back, we start thinking, am I proud of what I've done? And I think it's really important to feel that way. And I know the purpose of Grayston is a great example of that. Joe, I'm sure we could talk some more about the advantages. There are others. But let's go to some disadvantages. Now, I think the obvious question that I, I have to ask, and I'm curious how you'll, you'll answer it, is, you know, does this actually work? And what happens when you have somebody who's a really a bad egg? Or what happens when something mm -hmm. really bad happens? Because some of them were incarcerated for reasons that might I don't know, come back to serious violence that they perpetrated or mental health problems that they might mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it go wrong some of the time? 
Yeah, I absolutely love this question, and thank you for asking it. And I and I throw it back by asking a question and saying, what happens in any other manufacturing facility when you have a bad egg? What happens at a Fortune 50 company when you have a bad egg? You mm. let them go. Um, <laughs> it's 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 very it's very simple, and you know. And I get the other questions like, do you have insurance? How are your liability rates? Yes, we have insurance. Our rates are no different than any other manufacturer. This is a tough job. And I, I want to be very clear about that. It's 12-hour shifts, a lot of heavy lifting. It's called Grayston Bakery, so don't think of it as kind of time to make the donuts kind of place. You know, some guy that looks like your grandfather baking, you know, donuts all day. It's a manufacturing facility, you know, and it's a tough job to be in. So you're going to have attendance issues, but you're going to have that anyway. You're mm-hmm. going to have folks uh, showing up late uh, if they show up at all. They'll, those things happen anyway. Um, we try to work with those who do have, look, I worked in corporate America and there were people that were alcoholics. <laughs> there were people that had anger issues. Those things don't go away when you hire, you know, quote unquote, those people. Um, we have to you know, think about, you know, what are our own biases around that? We've been doing this for 40 years. And since I've been, I've been at Grayston now for four years. And since I've been here, I haven't had any other issues that any other manufacturer would have. Again, the folks that come to you are the folks that are, they've, they've resolved to make a difference. I'm not saying we don't have problems, but they want to be successful. They want to make a difference in their own lives and in their families' lives. So they're going to invest in that, and we're going to invest in you. And we've had folks with substance abuse issues. We've had people with anger issues. We've had people that were going through domestic violence issues at home. Again, does that not happen in every other <laughs> industry, every other company? But we're saying we're going to invest in you because... If you, if I can help you take care of the other issues that are happening in your life, that makes you a better employee. Mm. That that makes you understand that, hey, my company, my boss, they're investing in me. I owe it to them to do a good job, and we're going to have a nice reciprocal relationship where we can figure out how we make things work. That's win-win. So for me, the the disadvantage is it's people do not see the benefit. The disadvantage is we can't get past our own biases uh, because this is such, and, and I admit that, it's a radically different way of hiring, but it's a hiring system. It's a strategy, a talent management strategy, a human capital strategy that's been working with us and others, for us particularly for 40 years, but others that are doing it. And I just bet some of us are are being inspired by what we're hearing this week. And I'm going to pin down just a little bit harder on disadvantages for a sec in service of anybody who's hearing us right now, who's going, that sounds amazing. It's worked for them for 40 years. Why couldn't I do that? Maybe not with my whole workforce, whoever's hearing us right now, but with one employee or five employees. So I want you to coach that person right now because if they start on this journey, they need to know any other safeguards, any other potential downsides or disadvantages that they should be aware of, eyes wide open as they go forward. And this, and this is the one thing that I would say. My biggest coaching tip that I would give to anybody is, and this is in this uh, way I think people can kind of get a little caught up, is where they think they have to make this a part of their entire manufacturing facility or, or anything. And you've already said it. Start with one job. But first of all, understand that you want to invest. The time, the resources, the just all of the initiatives to make it work. And let's be... in. The person is going to know their company better than anybody on my team will. So you tell us where we can start. Is it one job? Is it five? Is it 10? How is your HR team? You know, what assessment do we need to do with them? Are they ready? Are your middle managers ready? Are you as a senior manager ready to say, like, this is what we're doing no matter what? This is the kind of company that I want to create. All of that has to happen before we even bring in anybody. Because the one thing I will say is, People that we hire, they know when you're not fully invested. They know when you're selling them a bill of goods. And you don't want that to happen. You got to really be intentional about this and really want to take the time and invest in it for the long term and not get scared if, you know, someone doesn't show up late or you find the person that has, quote, unquote, this background. We, we can't have any of that. This has got to be an investment in the future, investment in the employees, and you got to look at it from that perspective. That makes so much sense to me. So really, there's a whole context that you have to lay in and, and just make 
make happen at your organization before you even start this. You need to be prepared for it. You need everybody to be prepared for it. And yeah, it can start with just one job. And I think that's a lovely way to start. It's a wonderful win, 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 I think, for everybody involved, assuming that you've set things up properly. And I appreciate you pointing that out, Joe. You know, it feels to me sometimes like this should be a Netflix show. Like, where is the streaming show covering the story of the person who shows up day one at Greystone? Have you had anybody, uh, any one of the in the streaming wars poking around Greystone saying, hey, we, we, we want to tell a story here? You know, I, we had one group of amazing students from Westchester Community College who heard about Grayston in one of their classes. And this has been my pet peeve since before I became president CEO, because I didn't know about Grayston either until I, I stumbled upon it. They were just so really ticked off that they didn't know about Grayston. And they're a bunch of film students. So yeah, they and, said, and Westchester Community College isn't so far away, right? For that, those of us who may not know the, the, the geography of New York. Yeah. So we're a part of Westchester County, New York. And this group of film students, they Love said, you know, you know what? We are going to tell the story. We're going to tell the story from different perspectives. And what I really like about how they did this documentary, it's called Wide Open Dreams. If you just Google Grayston, Wide Open Dreams, it's about a 20-minute documentary. The two-minute trailer is enough to have you in tears. I think you've seen it, David. But they tell the story from different perspectives, different barriers. So you hear from a formerly incarcerated person. You hear from a single mom with five children. And you hear from somebody who had English as a second language. And you hear what life was like before and after Grayston and how Grayston, again, not only changed their lives, but the lives of their family. And it's just how they, the stories are weaved together and how it really becomes a personal documentary for, uh, for the listeners and the viewers. It's just amazing. It's, it's just That is wonderful. Amazing. And just Googling it as we speak here, Joe, wideopendreamsfilm.com is where if anybody Googles it, they'll find themselves on the site. It's been at some film festivals. Looks like it's won a few awards. I love the story of the local film students from the community college, a little ticked off that they didn't even know that Grayston Bakery was in their backyard and they, they want to tell the story. So, yeah, I have just seen the trailer and it, it was a great two minute trailer, um, but I, I do look forward and I will uh, watch in the in the week ahead your 20 minute film their 20 minute film but yeah i do feel like this is a story that can be told on an even bigger stage so we'll yes. see who's listening and, and and what might happen joe well you mentioned that you yourself didn't have a lot of association or knowledge about grayston bakery <laughs> before you signed on some years ago joe kenner where'd you grow up what was your background so I grew up in Burlington, New Jersey, southern New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, really. Um, only child uh, from parents from the south, but I was born um, in New York, of all places, Westchester County. <laughs> so I came back to where I was born. Westchester's own. Yeah, Westchester's own. So um, yeah, I consider I still consider myself a New Jersey because that's you know it's sure. been a good chunk of my life, but. I've been in New York now since really graduation, so since 1996, I've been in New York, and as I alluded to earlier, spent most of my career in corporate America uh, and some time on Wall Street and then in government before I stumbled, literally stumbled upon Grayston. Um, and as I said, it's been my pet peeve since I got here. It's like, how do you keep this place a secret? And I even said that in my interview. I started at Grayston as a vice president of programs and partnerships. Okay. I even, I even said that in the interview. It's like before I came to Grayston, I was the deputy commissioner for Westchester County Department of Social Services. And part of my portfolio was employment. I had no appreciation for what Grayston did, who they were. And it, usually when you know about Grayston, you hear that it's that bakery that hires those formerly incarcerated people, but we don't really know how it works. And no one, or you just didn't even know about open hiring at all, but you really had no full appreciation that it's a foundation, it's a for-profit, they do all this great work in terms of getting people jobs. I didn't know about it. And I was the deputy commissioner of social services. So it just, mm. it bugged me to know when that uh, I didn't know about it. And there were many people in the in the field that really didn't appreciate Grayston. So I said, you know, when I get here, I'm going to change that. Well, <laughs> Joe, you, you've said a couple of times, you you literally, you said, I think, stumbled upon it. I'm trying to picture a literal stumble. I'm, I'm picturing you on your phone, like not looking ahead and banging into the corner of the, I don't know. But how did you first come into knowledge of Grayson Bakery? 
It was when I, I went to an event well, when I was Deputy Commissioner of Social Services and I met someone who actually worked at Greyston. She, she, recently, she passed away right before I started. And she was telling me her story. And she was a single mom. Uh, she was actually one of our clients at DSS before she came to Greyston and got trained and got a job and all of that. And I'll never forget her. Her, her name was Catherine. And she said, you know, the one thing that I want, my kids to learn or not learn are the government acronyms in social services. Hmm. So SNAP, DSS, she said, I don't want them to ever know those. Wow. And I hope she was successful in that. She was an amazing woman. She ran, she ran our workforce development, some of our programs, but she's the one that brought me to Grayston because I'd never understood it. I would hear my employees talking about Grayston. They would say, oh, that's the place that doesn't hire our people and because they didn't understand how open hiring worked and you have to wait. You just don't automatically get the job. You have to put your name on the list. So I went there and I, my mind was blown away. You see this professionally run bakery. You get to hear some of the other folks' stories. And that is my first introduction to Grayston. The second time I was brought in by another friend of mine in the nonprofit sector, that this is right after we, the, uh, they brought on the social worker and they were looking for DSS to fund this position. And that's when I really got down deep into it and got to learn a little bit more about Grayston. But it wasn't until the third time I came to Grayston. At this time, I was running programs for non-custodial fathers who were looking for work and having trouble paying their child support. So I was helping them get trained to get jobs and things like that. I used to run this conference and I asked Mike Brady, who was my predecessor, to come speak at one of our conferences. Um, it was the following year that I asked Mike to see if he could bring some folks to do some workshops for us. And so this is, you know, late, late 2017. And he said, you know, uh, we'll have somebody come to your conference next year. But, but oh, by the way, I need to find someone to fill this VP of programs and partnerships job. If you know of anybody, let me know. <laughs> and looking at the job description, and I remember showing it to my wife. It was, you know, business background, financial management expertise, connection to government, social services. And my wife's like, you could do this. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Wow. And the rest, as they say, is history. Mm. And Started in February 2018, became president CEO April 2020 of all times. But uh, I have enjoyed it. I, I, I always tell them both jobs were jobs that I could have written myself in terms of a job description. It's like, this is what I want to do. This is perfect. All right, Joe Kenner. Well, you know, it occurs to me you've now been CEO of this organization for, well, two years. You've been there for four, as you mentioned. I like to think I'm learning a lot every year, but I'm sure you learn an additional whole lot when you're actually leading something. And I'm sure mm. you learn in two different regards. One, you're probably learning about other people in the world. Yes. And second, I bet you've learned something about yourself. So let's do those in order. Joe Kenner, what have you learned about other people and or the world as a consequence of being CEO of Grayston Bakery? Mm -hmm. You know, that is the beauty of, uh, I don't know if I call it the beauty actually, but Having become first-time CEO, by the way, in April 2020, mm. height of a pandemic, social unrest, PS, I started restructuring the organization, a lot of different things where you didn't have a playbook to refer to, I had to really learn and do on my own. But as you're dealing with people that were, you have to think April 2020, it wasn't about just wash your hands and wear a mask. You, wow. know, people, you were going to die. <laughs> That's yeah. how people oh were feeling. Family members could die. Um, and we were an essential business that ran throughout. We have not stopped running, by the way, since the pandemic began. So dealing with all of that fear, dealing with all the anxiety, the uncertainty, I really learned, particularly when it came to our employees, I mean, we're conscious capitalists here. I, I learned, and this is why I had to have it be one of our core values, which is compassion. Everybody has a story. And you really have to step back sometimes. And I actually issued an email during, I would send emails periodically during the pandemic just to kind of keep people's spirits up and encourage them. And I said, you know, sometimes you're going to have an employee who may just seem off that day, but that person might be worried about 
their 80-year-old mom who could get COVID. Or they might have lost somebody who got COVID. Or they're just having a bad week. Uh, stop and think about that before you automatically judge them. I mean, we are all about non-judgment, which is our other core value. Everybody has a story. And we have to be mindful of that when we're thinking about our policies, when we're thinking about leading, when we're thinking about reacting and, mm -hmm. and try and practice a little active listening and maybe ask questions and probe a little bit deeper because, you know, what you might be seeing as an odd reaction is just me processing something that's just got me in a feeling a certain kind of way. Very well said, very empathetic. And I'm glad that we've inadvertently, I think, touched on seems like all of your core values at some point during our time together this week, which I kind of love. So, Joe, yeah, everybody does have a story. You have a story, too. What's something that you've learned about yourself as a consequence of being, wow, CEO of Grayson from maybe the hardest month of all of COVID? I, I can't imagine that transition. Hardest, hardest two years, really. But yeah, ch I think hard, challenging, you know, because we, we know how that problem solves. It's challenging. Yep. Again, another one of our, our core values, but and I see, I've seen this throughout my entire life and we didn't get into all of it, but just, you know, private life. I, I love transformation, particularly seeing people transformed. Uh, when I can have somebody like, you know, one of our employees, Shauna, single mom of five, who right before she was thinking about giving up all five of her children, and this is in Wide Open Dreams, by the way. She got the call from Grayston and has now been with us for three plus years mm. with all of her kids. Mm. You don't put a you can't put a price tag on that. You can't you can't quantify that anyway. We've literally <laughs> changed not her life, but the lives of five other people um, for the better. And she's done very well with us. I'm very proud of her. And the other piece of that is I've got 69 plus other hmm. Shaunas working for us, you know, and, and they all have names, human names, you know, Marcel, James, Roy, Leroy, Dion, you know, I, Maria, I could go through the list, April, and, and they're not all open hires either, um, but there are employees and we are truly transforming people's lives for the better. And we make brownie inclusions and package brownies. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 an amazing thing uh but i love to see people's lives transformed and like i said to me this i'm hardly working this is just i'm just having a good time coming to a place that uh, i get to see people's lives get turned around and i get a paycheck mm. well i can imagine as a result of our conversation this week we've got a few different instincts in some of our listeners i bet some are thinking I didn't know they were over there in Westchester County. I didn't know they were there in Southwest Yonkers. I'd love to go visit and just take a look at the facility. Is that something people can do right now? Yes, pre-COVID, David, I would have said absolutely, uh, particularly if you're a significant donor to our foundation. But uh, <laughs> right now, we, we've uh, closed off uh, our bakery for tours for obvious reason with Omicron uh, running rampant. Yep. But um, in normal times, we would absolutely have people come by and see the operations for themselves, which is quite fascinating. But you know, if folks want to get involved, uh, first go to Greaston.org. And as I always tell people, you can buy, you can donate, or you can replicate. And you mentioned copycats. I want to see people copy this model in their own context and in their own way. And part of our 2030 vision is to have other companies working with us. So we want folks to reach out to us and reach out to what we call the Grayston Employment Opportunity Center uh, so that we can talk to you about open hiring, how it works, why it works, and how you can implement it in your organization. And if you don't want to do it, guess what? You can still donate and buy brownies. Yeah, well said. And you know, let, let's go uh, one click deeper there, Joe. I, I do imagine some of us uh, entrepreneurs among us uh, are thinking that this might be a really cool thing to try. And nobody's going to try it lightly because as you pointed out, there has to be a whole context and a will there and a communication there to really make it thrive. But I just do believe that it can and will thrive in other businesses too. So if I'm somebody inspired by what you're saying, Joe, wondering how I can get more information, uh, asking a tough question or two of my own, how would I reach you all and, and, and get some of those questions answered? 
Yes, go to Grayston.org and you'll see our tab for the Grayston Employment Opportunity Center. Uh, just uh, fill out the form and someone will be in contact with you. Awesome. And then the last interaction I can imagine, we've talked probably not enough about how amazingly tasty and I love the just <laughs> even just the the texture because because food texture matters almost as much to me I think as taste but I mean they're just great brownies and blondies and let's say I'm running a high-end delicatessen in Seattle or I've got a good coffee shop outside of Denver and I'm like I'd love to have some of that product in my store how do I do that uh, two ways you can do it you can go to graceton.org which is our website or you can just shoot us an email at info I-N-F-O at Grayston.org and someone will reach out to you, get you connected. But yeah, go to our website. We would love for whether you're just running a delicatessen, whether you're looking for a, a baked inclusion in your dessert products, we are here to service you because every time you take a bite of whatever your favorite is, David, you are actually advancing somebody's career. So, Well, and in conclusion, if you were on the Gardner family Christmas gift list, <laughs> some of you were very lucky this past holiday season because you got Grayston Bakery brownies from us. Eat brownies, change lives, I think is there in the packaging. You and I talked about that off air. Did I get that right, Joe? You're doing well, David. You're doing yeah. well. And so A minus, you know, all I can ever hope for, really. But eat brownies, change lives. It's not just about the brownie, but you know what? It is also about the brownie. So, Joe Kenner, thank you very much for joining us this week on Rule Breaker Investing. Well, David, as we also say, we, we don't hire people to bake brownies. We bake brownies to hire people. So it's about the people. So thank you for putting those folks on, putting Grayston on the Christmas list there. Love it. And happy birthday, Bernie. Absolutely. The old man said, why are you pitching starfish into the sea? What difference will that make? And the young Fool said, tossing another starfish into the sea, hiring another fellow human, no questions asked. Young Fool said, made a difference to that one. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.